0: Psalm 73, it reads, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my footing, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles, their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff. And speak with malice, with arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to the heavens, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them, and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. All is free. They go on amassing wealth. Surely, in vain I have kept my heart pure, and I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been affi- afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that i would have betrayed your children when i tried to understand all this it troubled me deeply till i entered the sanctuary of god then i understood their final destiny surely you place them on slippery ground you cast them down to ruin how suddenly They are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream. When one wakes, when you rise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand, your counsel. You, you guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever those who are far from you will perish you destroy all who are unfaithful to you but as for me it is good to be near god i have made the sovereign lord my refuge i will tell all i will tell of all your deeds it is uh, not easy to be a South African at the moment. So um, it's not easy at all. Stop, uh, stage six, Lord Shedding aside, it seems like doing something wrong is not followed by meaningful uh, consequences. There is a, there's a sense of embarrassment, especially with those who lead us, that they have been caught And certain cases do result in some imprisonment. But if you have money and influence, the imprisonment does not stick. Instead of locking you up and throwing away the key, it appears as though they lock you up and they give you the key. You can can come out when you please in some way. So it's very discouraging the corruption the hopelessness the unemployment extremely discouraging and i'm sure as you visited friends and family and you saw those who have perhaps have less than you you are reminded of this reality this discouragement is not restricted to you, uh to people who are just south africans discouragement Is also comes to us as believers as well. We are constantly discouraged in our faith. The enthusiasm to carry on, despite difficulties, it wanes through time. Continuing to trust in God, despite not getting what you need, becomes a bit harder as you begin the year Perhaps some of you are beginning with a sense of discouragement. How is this year going to be better than the year that passed? It becomes all the more difficult to trust in God, but it seems like those who are not trusting in him seem to be doing better than you are, seem to be healthier, seem to have it together, their families perhaps are doing well. They're doing better in their workplace. But you who has chosen this path of faith are struggling. And in that, you're tempted to, 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 to forsake God. You're tempted to walk away, to say, is it all worth it? When you see the good life or the, of the ungodly. You're tempted to ask God, is it really worth it or not? As we look into uh, setting a foundation for the rest of the year, um, uh, the the, the first few sermons have been, we are going to look at this emotion together, especially as it is shown in Psalm 73. You're not the first one to feel like that. Believers have felt like that for a long time. They may have been in different contexts, but they have felt discouraged. They have looked around them and seen people. They have seen injustice. They have seen people who are not trusting in God, seeming to be doing better than them. And that has caused them to stumble in their faith. So we're going to talk about that emotion together. The first, we're going to look at four things. The first thing that you're going to see is the good life of the ungodly around us. The good life of the ungodly around us. Verses 1 to 12. The psalmist starts, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost lived. I nearly lost my footing, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What does he see about them? Verse 4 they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burden common to man. They are not plagued by human. Heals. So this, the writer of this psalm, we are told is Isaac right at the beginning there, um, and he writes and he says, he starts on a, on a foundation that, or he starts on what he believes in, by claiming that, yes, I know God is good to Israel, to those who are of pure heart. So therefore, he starts by saying, That I know that God is good. I know that keeping His law means God is going to bless you. He's read Deuteronomy, especially the end in chapter thirty-six. He's read the uh, the the, the Ten Commandments in Exodus. He knows that if he is faithful to God, God is going to bless him. But he says, "But me, I'm struggling." In verse two, he is not. He has not fallen away yet. He's honest. He's saying my feet had almost slipped. We'll see later on that he say I stumbled. I struggled. I, 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 in my confidence in God, I was not walking straight. I was really struggling. What is causing him to struggle is seeing those who are ungodly seeming to be living the good life. They seem to be living well, better than he, than he is. In, verse, in verses 5, he says, They are free from the burdens common to man. They're not plagued by human ills. I look at them, their lives seem to be perfect. In verse 6, he says, Pride is their necklace. He is implying that he has forsaken pride. He himself is struggling. But he looked at these people. They seem to be doing very well. Verses 11, they say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? They say, what does God know anyway? I will do what I want. I am the master of my faith. I am the captain of my life. So therefore, I will do as I please. And what is happening is they do that. Instead of being cursed, they are prospering. They seem to be doing well. God lets them prosper despite their wickedness. So this writer here, he is looking around them. He is very discouraged. He is discouraged because, uh, uh, according to God, being faithful, loving him, walking uprightly before him is meant to result in in blessing. But things seem to be upside down. Being disobedient, arrogant, lacking in humility, seem to be resulting in prosperity, seem to be resulting in blessing. So therefore, the, the writer goes into deep despair. Verses 13 to 17. He says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure in vain i have washed my hands of innocence surely he says surely i have kept the law for nothing surely i have kept my heart pure for nothing surely i have in vain have i uh, stopped envying uh, another man's wife in vain have i uh, not broken the law in vain have i loved the lord with all my heart mind, and soul. It says, I've washed my hands of the innocence. In other words, no, there's no blood of the innocence in my hands. I've sought to be compassionate and loving. But what he says is in verses 14 and 15. In verse 14 he says, first of all, all day long he is plagued by this. He's punished every morning as he wakes up. He's reminded of his own misfortune. But he did not speak it, lest he make those around them to, uh, to feel betrayed, verse 15. It says, if I... If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand this, I was oppressed within me. So as if I said this out loud, those around me would have felt betrayed by my um, expressions. If I had said out loud that surely in vain is keeping the law, Those around them would have felt betrayed because perhaps they too are also struggling. But something changes for Asaph. Something changes that he moves from depression, from saying, surely in vain, woe is me, poor is I and those around me who have kept our faith in God. And he says something changes when he he enters the house of God. Verse 17. When me start at verse 16, he says, when I tried to understand all of this, I was oppressive. It was oppressive to me till I entered the house of God. Then I understood their final destiny. says he thought all of this until he was before God. What did the house of God do for Asaph? As he was there before God in prayer and worship in the sanctuary. He understood that God was at the center of all things, and he gained a fresh appreciation of both God and eternity. By hearing the word of God, in the sanctuary, he understood that there was truth that went beyond what he saw and experienced every day. But there was truth beyond the prosperity the laughing of the wicked, the scoffing and them saying, where is God? Does he know anything? In the house of the Lord, as he was observing sacrifice in the sanctuary, he understood that God takes sin seriously. So much so that every sin must be judged and atoned for. Even if it is done so by an innocent victim who has to stand in the place of those who are guilty. Something changes as he enters the house of God. He develops understanding. He develops understanding that those who are wicked now may seem to be prospering before before his eyes. Their destiny Will not be safe. So, in verses 18, he expounds on this that those who are the, the wicked are not safe at all, even though they may seem to be enjoying their lives, but they are not safe at all. Verse 18. He says, Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream, when one awakes, so when you rise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. So as he entered the house of God, he developed understanding about the destiny of those who, are, who have committed themselves to doing evil now. He developed an understanding that God has placed them on slippery ground. They will be cast down to ruin their lives are like a, uh, are like sleep. They will wake up to true reality. And they will meet their maker. Yes, they may not be getting justice now. Yes, they may be uh, getting in and out of courts. Yes, they may be enjoying their lives, scoffing at God, saying, where is he? doesn't know anything. But they will wake up from their dream. They will wake up from it, and God will have his day. Uh, a 19th century preacher, Charles Spurgeon, commenting on this verse, put it like this. He says about the wicked that their are happiness is like that in a dream. Whereas a man may seem to be highly pleased and transported with ravishing delights, but when he wakes, he finds himself deceived and unsatisfied. Let them front their, uh, their wealth for, a la- for an hour. They are poor, unsubstantiated, Statements those will soon be gone. When the day breaks and the Lord wakes up and his mighty hand is laid upon them, who cares for their wealth in dreamlands in dreamland? Who indeed but fools? She's saying here, especially now, those who have committed themselves to evil. God will shake them awake. And they will, uh, all that they had amassed while they lived will be nothing. It will be just like when you dream that you have won a million rounds, that you wake up to the reality of your own life. And you quickly dispel those dreams as nothing. Those people are living like that. They are not realizing that this life is short and eternity is long. Is long such that this life is like a dream that we will wake up from. And we will live infinitely away from God or with him. So therefore, we mustn't be living for, 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 for Now. We mustn't be investing so much in the dream and forget about waking up. And those who are in Christ mustn't be so attached to what is happening in the dream that they get very discouraged and forget what they have in him. The psalmist reminds us of this in verses 23 to 28, that what, what he has is so much better. Verses 23, he says, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand, and you guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Contrast that with the wicked. Who are placed on slippery ground, but He will be taken into glory. Verses twenty-five: Whom have I in heaven but you? On earth, and the earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Who does the wicked have? They have their friends who are gathering around them, listening to to them scoffing at God. That's all they have. But the psalmist says, I have you, Lord, who have I in heaven but you. I may not be the healthiest person now, My flesh and my heart may fail now. But I have something better than my flesh. Better than my heart. And that is in you. What I have in you is with infinitely more than even my body. Verse 27 reminds us again that those who are far from you will perish. You will destroy them, those who are unfaithful to you. But those who are near you find refuge. Those who are far from you get accursed. Those who are near God are blessed. Blessed. Those who are far from you are like those walking in the desert, scorched by the sun. But those who are near you are like those who are under a good palm tree next to a stream of water. They can drink and sit under the shade. This is a direct contrast to the wicked. They do not have the Lord on their side. They do everything. Everything that they have is in this world. They are far from God. They trust their own strength. He saw this, the psalmist, and saw that he was in the wrong. That he wasn't thinking correctly. He was like a, a brute beast, he says, about himself. He was like an animal who, 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 who is not thinking. But after he calmed and collected himself, after he went into the house of the Lord, he realized that what he has is with a lot. And who he has, is worth a lot. It's a reminder to us as we enter the year that when we, uh, when we doubt the goodness of God, when we doubt uh, his, uh, his love towards us, that is the moment where we should run to him. Remember Jesus said uh, to the uh, to the Israelites, destroy this temple and I will build it up in three days. Talking about himself as the one whom we're supposed to come to to have this realization. The psalmist is showing us here that when you are, when you are, when you are sick, that is when you need medicine the most. When you are doubting, When you are discouraged, that is when you need to cling to Christ the most. That is when you should be pursuing comfort in Him. When you are finding it hard to pray, (coughs) that is when you should be on your knees. Perhaps starting with saying, I'm finding it hard to pray. When you're finding it hard to trust, (coughs) to believe, that is when you should be striving to cling on to Christ and all he has in you. Let me end for us with uh, Colossians 3 verses 1 to 3. It reads for us, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with God. Paul here is saying that you, believer who has put your faith in him, you have been raised with Christ. So therefore, set your heart, your minds on him and not on earthly things. Let us pray together and ask God for, for help. Heavenly Father, this is easier said than done. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to realize what we have in you and to indeed set our hearts on you through Christ. That you would help us to to free our hearts and minds from the worries of this world. That you would remove from us a heart that envies what others have. But you would give us a heart that looks at what we have and really, and calls others to see and to savour the treasure that we have in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand, we're going to sing um, our last song together.